0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. In today's episode, my panel discusses hitting rock bottom and being able to climb out. How do you financially recover from being in debt? How do you get through divorce when your business is failing? Why aren't more owners looking at themselves in the mirror and realizing that they are the problem and also the solution? keep listening and find out. May thanks to our partners Shopware and Delphi Technologies for providing you this episode. You know, your techs don't want to stand around while you type in details for an RO. With Shopware, a repair order gets set up in seconds instead of minutes and everyone gets on with their day. It's that easy. On the web, talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. With over 2,300 SKUs and 95% sales coverage on fuel pumps, Delphi has everything you need to replace your customer's fuel pump from OEM quality pumps, modules, GDI pumps, and fuel tank cleaning supplies to instructional videos and how tos, all for you. Get started at DelphiAftermarket.com. With me is Kevin Eckler from Foreign Car Specialists in Poughkeepsie, New York. Hello, Kev.
1: Good afternoon, Carl.
0: My friend Jerry Kazai from the Auto Shop Plano, Texas. Hi, Jerry.
1: Hey, brother. Good to be
2: here.
0: Hey, thank you so much. And uh, Carl Hutchinson, Complete Automotive, Springfield, Missouri.
3: Yes. Hello. Are
0: you in the Ozarks?
3: We are in the heart of the Ozarks. I'm
0: watching that Netflix series. (laughs) not the same. You got some bad people out there. That's all I got to (laughs) say.
3: It's really funny because I started watching it and like two episodes in, it's like, yeah, I can't do that. That's too close to home. (laughs) I,
0: can't watch that. I don't know, guys. I'm addicted, and I don't know why. Anyway, look at guys. Uh, tough, tough subject. Thanks for coming on, and uh, and I know this is very, very personal. And there's only one reason you guys would come on and that is that we can help somebody else who may be in any kind of trouble and saying, wow, I can't believe this happened to Jerry, Carl, or Kevin or where they came from. Trust me, I know it's not about I wanting to share some really tough times, but everyone who's ever come on the show is always about advancing the aftermarket and helping people. And Jerry, I interviewed you so long ago. I remember the great stories about you working for your dad and you know the whole thing, you can't do business from a creeper. I mean, I love that. To me, that is one of the quintessential
2: metaphors of how to not run a business. You can't run a business from a creeper. You just can't do it. You know, years ago, Karma, I made the decision. I said, can I be the best technician out there? And my answer was no. I mean, there's some guys out there that could work circles around me. And I said, so what can I do? I can be the best business owner that I can be. And that's where I focused all of my time on. I hear guys talking about all these different things, all these techniques that they do with their tools. And I'm thinking, here's my tool right here. See this? It's a pen, my pen, my computer, my phone, and I'm changing the world. I hear you, man. And not four wheels at a time either. We're shaking
0: things up, baby. <laughs> right. So you left dad, was that in Chicago, Jerry?
2: No, it was Detroit. I was in Detroit.
0: And so you went to Texas. And oh, by the way, I just want you to look behind Jerry. He is a coach, consultant, business builder's mastermind. He's got a heck of a thing going. And it's not just for automotive, Jerry. You you work with people from all walks of
2: life in business, right? Yes, that's true. I usually don't work with automotive people. I leave that for the elite. I leave that for Chubby Fredericks. I leave that for Ron Ipack and Jerry Frank and all those guys because that's their niche. My niche is business. And unfortunately, a lot of technician slash owners struggle with the business end of the business and they don't see it, unfortunately.
3: Well, I'll echo that. That's a huge thing, Jerry. I think that's one of the biggest problems with our industry is the majority of shop owners are technicians. And I hate to say, we don't know what we don't know. And we get into this situation of all of a sudden you're an owner and you're making insurance decisions, financial decisions, making decisions. You really don't know how to make them. It's not like working on cars. It's it's a totally different
2: world. Carl, you're spot on. They fly by the seat of their pants and wonder why their business is not functioning. Why did they close? I've hired so many great technicians that owned their own business for a year or six months Mm -hmm. or nine months or two years. And then they came to me and said, I don't know how you do it, man. Can I have my job back?
3: I've kind of been on the other side of that. After they've owned it four or five years, it's really tough to get them out of that mindset of being a technician owner and being in control of it. And they don't understand you can't go out and buy the new toy. You have to buy a tire balancer instead. You can't go out and buy a new razor or motorcycle or, you know, a pull-in truck or whatever. But, uh, you know, you got to have an alignment machine or you got to invest in a technician. And I think that's a lot of what's wrong with our industry is unfortunately it took me a long time to figure out. There's a world of difference between being a technician, being a service advisor,
2: and being an owner. There's a huge difference. Absolutely, man. I hired a mentor a number of years ago. So here's a fun anecdote. I had the hots for this desk. Like, I wanted this for my office. It was a total ego. Okay, I I get it.
3: It's like you wanted to buy a physical desk. I thought you wanted somebody's job. No, 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 no.
2: I wanted this piece of furniture because it stroked my ego. I was looking at it, I was talking to my mentor and I said, look at this desk, it's only two grand. And he looked at me and he said, I know what your numbers are, is that worth $50,000? I said, what are you talking about? He says, you're working on 4% net profit. You have to do $50,000 in service to buy that desk. Yes. And my jaw dropped. It's like, no, it's only two grand. He said, no, you're working at 4% net profit. What's 4% of this to get two grand? I went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the lights went off. And I will tell you to this day, I never bought that desk.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And you don't need it. I didn't need need
0: it. Sooner or later, Jerry, you have to stop and say, hmm, am I the only one who
2: knows I'm struggling? Nobody knew I was struggling. Truly. Nobody knew. Uh, I know one
3: person that knows who you're struggling. That's your spouse. They know all.
2: I was going through truly the toughest point of my life. My marriage failed. Mm -hmm. I got divorced. It was messy. It was drawn out, expensive, very expensive, seven digits. My businesses were struggling. I was $5 million in debt. That was $45,000 each and every month for principal and interest just for principal and interest, plus insurance, utilities, payroll, maintenance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I found out employees were stealing from me. Holy brother, let me tell you, you better make some changes. You better figure things out really, really, really quickly because I was going down the tubes on a greased slide. All the things that worked for me that had been working for me no longer worked. And I had to literally come up with new answers, I needed to learn how to get out of this mess that I had created. And I will tell you, bankers are not your friend. Bankers will never be your friend. Bankers will loan you money only when you need it. On my commercial property that I owned, I had bankers do additional, every six months, commercial real estate appraisals. And I never approved them. And they added it to the back end of my loan. When I wrote the check to pay off my loan, it cost me over $20,000 because these buzzards did that to me without my consent. And they, when I called them on it, they said, read paragraph this, this, and this in your contract. We have the right to do whatever we want. And I will tell you, I will never do business with a bank again as far as loans ever because they have enough big buildings. It's my turn to have big buildings. I will tell you that four and a half years ago, I had been struggling so hard to the point that my body gave up. And I spent five days in the ICU. I was within one hour of dying. I can tell you about bad times. I can tell you about being in debt. I can tell you about all this stuff. I've even had bankers tell me during that time, you need to declare. I said, declare what? They said, you need to declare bankruptcy. I said, you out of your mind? I said, that's my name. Jerry Kaziah. that's my name on that freaking contract. I borrowed the money. I will pay it back. I don't care what it takes. I will pay it back. And I will tell you, I never declared bankruptcy. Things today are so totally different. All of my properties are free and clear of all mortgages. They're all paid off. I stayed in integrity. I was never late on a payment. I never missed a payment. I figured out what it was I needed to do. And how did I do that? I hired a mentor. I hired a darn good mentor. Actually, at one time, I had five paid for business coaches. And they were all in different areas to keep me on point. I listened to uplifting podcasts. I made sure that I had people to speak with, people to help me keep my thoughts on the positive. I exercised a lot, but more importantly, I never gave up. I never gave up. And my wife, Just for the record, I got divorced and I was single, literally, 11 days. I was separated. I was legally separated from my first wife. In 11 days, I went on a date with my second wife and we've never been apart since. She was ribbing me about my notes and she says, mark down, tell everybody you drank a lot too. (laughs) okay, so you did have a crutch. (laughs) I'm human, for God's sake. I'm human, I I promise. I I said, okay, Laura, I promise you, I I will make sure I say that on the air and it'll be recorded and I'm still laughing about
0: it. If anyone wants to go to the RemarkableResults.biz website and type in Dr. Laura, Jerry's wife, Dr. Laura Schwalick has been on with us in the past. She's so kind and Jerry's
2: so smart. I keep telling her, I don't know why you married me. I just don't know. And then, you know, it's really funny. Everybody was teasing me. They said, You know, she's only marrying you for your money, right? And I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> Money, I'm $5 million upside freaking down. My girlfriend was paying me $500 a month rent so I could make my child support, for sake, <laughs> and she's marrying me for my money. Oh, for the love of the Lord. <laughs>
0: So I'm sure there's so much more to talk about, but Kevin, you have struggled to get where you are today.
1: Oh, just a little bit. Back when I was young and stupid and thought that just having the ability to fix cars and fix them well and and to hustle and spend many hours doing it, I thought that that's all you needed to do to survive in business because from a a tech side working for people, that you know, how hard could it be? It didn't look like the boss did an awful lot. He just kind of goofed <laughs> off in the office while I worked my butt off out in the shop. So, right. how hard can it be? I just got to fix a lot of cars and not yeah. understanding that you can fix them all day long, but if you don't write them up in bill form properly, it isn't worth anything.
0: I got to stop you because this is the most perfect soundbite for the rest of the industry. How many times have you all gotten up in front of people telling that same story and that? Boom, could have had a V eight moment happened when you couldn't pay the bills. You know the you know the drill, right?
1: Oh yeah. Well I mean, Jerry getting married because his you know, for the money you're self-employed. You, you're rich, dude. You've got everything. It's no wonder. Right? You got to be rich, right? Yeah, for sure. You make money. People just hand you money walking in the door just because you're you. you they
2: see, all they before. see is the money coming in. They don't see the they don't don't see the $100,000 a month going out, right? There's no <laughs> overhead.
1: You just get it all for free. Yeah. So my dumbass went into it with that perspective, like, how hard can it be? I'd look at a list price on an invoice from the parts store and I'd be like, I'm not charging somebody that that's screwing them. I'd add five bucks onto something and move it down the road. Before you know it, I'm running my personal credit cards through the machine so I can make payroll that week. And then again and again, like you, I wound up like right on the edge of bankruptcy. My marriage, because of the stress went to hell. It parlayed into my personal life. Health went down just. Probably the same story for all of us. Your mental state affects your physical state. And uh, it's so hard to just have the energy to show up and go to work. But, you know, you need to be there for 16 hours a day fixing the cars because that's what pays the bills, right?
0: Did it feel like a charade to go
2: in and smile like nothing's wrong? It's not a charade, Carm. The show must go on. Listen, I hate to say this. Customers don't give a shit what's going on in your life. Fix my car. People today need to be entertained, And if you can't make them feel warm and fuzzy and happy when they're fixing their car, when they're paying you to repair their car, they're going to find somebody that will. That's right. right. The grumpy old buzzards behind the counter. Yeah, what do you want? Those days are gone. Right. We don't run like that. This industry needs to get that. I secret shop. I go into Firestones, Goodyear's, Pep Boys. You name your franchise store. I go in there and I'm amazed at how many, yeah, what do you need? What do you got? What do you got? Yeah. What do, you, what do I got? What you this a pawn shop? I mean, what the hell are you talking about? What do you got? Yeah, I, I heard it just today.
3: I was at some place and they answered the phone. Parts. Right. Parts. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. I, I was in the guru of the month club. I could fix just about anything because that's what I prided myself on. But as soon as I didn't have time to drop everybody else for somebody, I wasn't their hero in that moment, so mm-hmm. off yeah. they went to somebody else. So I learned after a whole lot of beating and abuse that people will take advantage of you all day long. You're the greatest. You're the best there ever was while you're fixing the problem right then and there. But come to pay in the bill, oh, Kev, I'll be back on Friday to pay that. Friday never came. Yeah. yeah. I and lost. Imagine if you had thousand dollars in six months. If
2: you had a nickel for every time you've heard, you have a customer for life. Yeah.
3: <laughs> for sure. It's yeah, so yeah. true. I heard that today. <laughs> oh Somebody wanted me to fix their tires. Oh, but wait yeah. a minute.
1: I can get my tires yeah, yeah, for $3 yeah. cheaper yeah. down the street. I had no idea what my value was. I prided myself on the feel good of fixing people's cars really well. So I didn't look at it like, well, I'm not some money grubbing greedy booger. I'm just, I'm going to help people and I'm going to fix cars really, really well. And it finally took me realizing that every dollar that I gave to a customer, because I'd discount the bill before I ever gave it to them. I'd look at them and go, I can't charge them that much because I didn't see my own value. And I discount the price down before they even got it. And then they'd try to beat me up even more because I kind of trained them to do that. And then I realized like, dude, you're stealing money out of my kid's pocket. Because every dollar I don't bring home is a dollar I don't have to take care of my son and my daughter. You're stealing money from my kids. That's where the line crosses. And I had to realize like, okay, the feel good is not as important as taking care of my kids. My ego needs to go to the side and I need to realize that I suck at running a business and that I'm not good at this at all. And it doesn't matter how good I fix cars. If I don't bill for it and people don't actually reach in their pocket and pay, because I can write a bill all I want but if they don't come back to pay it it isn't worth anything and the combination of the two is a critical part that lets me be able to go all right we're eating today you know you get the clothes you need for school so you don't look like a bum when you walk in there that we have a place to live that's stable that you don't have to be like where are we going to live tomorrow how is this going and i had to personally see it as a threat to my kids to get me to to straighten my life out
0: You know, nothing tells a customer they need a new part faster than when they see a worn or broken one in their hands. Now, how do you do that in the digital age? Well, it's actually very easy. Thanks to DVX, you can send photos and videos within its messenger platform. It's like nothing else you've ever seen in an auto repair SMS before. Take the best of an Amazon-like experience and use it in your shop to show customers how great you are. DVX also makes it easy for customers to drop you a quick text or answer in the messenger bubble that arises from the repair order. It's like magic. Customers love seeing what they need to do and giving you a quick answer. You'll see your business's potential right in front of you. Your customers get on with their day and you get back to the repair. Everybody wins. It's time. Take it from me. GetShopware.com As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Did you ever stop and think and do some funny math in your head and try to figure out how much you left on the table until you turned it around?
1: I don't even want to think of the hundreds of thousands of dollars that, that sat there and just hundreds of thousands of dollars. is I spent damn near 20 years sucking at business. I sucked really <laughs> bad at it the first five or six years. And then I only sucked kind of a little bit. It wasn't until I got a business coach and joined a peer-to-peer mentoring group that I realized that there's so much better ways to do this. And it's not about me making friends with the customer and them going, you're the greatest ever. It feels cool, but it doesn't take care of the things that I need to take care of. It doesn't allow me to take care of my team. You need to have good people. I fortunately had some great people that stuck with me through my stupidity before I realized and I lost some amazing people because I remember looking back and I'm embarrassed to think of what I paid people because I worked at a Porsche dealership in the early nineties. I made eight bucks an hour at one and when I left I make an eleven and change. Wow. Their door rate, I think, was eighty-nine. And so I didn't see a perceived value for myself. So I didn't project that to anybody else. I went to one management class courtesy of one of our local parts stores. Like, dude, you need some help. You should go to this management class. And I went from feeling like I was on an island to I was on an island full of shark infested water. Because this dude (laughs) wanted my bank account, something fierce. It wasn't like, and it was like a cult. It wasn't like, hey, how can I get better at business? It was like joining a cult. This guy wanted fingers into everything.
0: But Kevin, were you afraid of that uh, because you really didn't know?
1: I didn't know what it was like going into it, but the further I got into it, I think it was a two-day class, it started not feeling good.
0: So can you imagine the fear that he had in not knowing what he didn't know and then the fear of...
1: You reach out for help and it's somebody really aggressive and pushing him like, holy crap, I'll figure this out on my own. If this is what help is, I don't need this. So that brought on like another five years more worth of struggling and sucking because yeah, the help that I reached out for was.
3: That's tough getting bad help. I mean, yeah. I think we all reached a, a point in, in our business life and our personal life that we decided that, hey, I need some help because I don't know what the next step is. I mean, yeah. we had hit it? a ceiling and, and it's just. We don't know how to get over it, get through it. Kind of what my thing was, is I reached out for help. And I think we all had some great mentors around us. And really that circle of influence of saying, you know, when I asked for help, it was who, where do I find help? And then the mentors said, well, I've already been there, done that. Mm -hmm. And this is where you need to go. These are the questions you need to ask. What they didn't tell me was how uncomfortable i was going to be doing all
1: that <laughs> oh yeah do <laughs> I mean, you think that 25 years ago damn near 30 years ago i started into this there wasn't an internet there was no facebook my space was just kind of becoming a thing we were still on dial up there were like chat groups and stuff but there was no known support groups that you could join like nowadays right. you can type in and search and there's all kinds of different support groups you can join into you into the library or you talk to friends That was it. I want to talk about asking for help.
2: I was a young shop owner. I'd only had my business going for not even two years. And this guy comes in and tells me, he says, I'm going to be your hero. I don't need a freaking (laughs) hero, dude. I'm like, I'm the hero. I'm the guy that fixes everybody's stuff, right? I'm the Mm -hmm. hero. I had my ego go. He says, no, you don't understand. I said, how are you going to be my hero? He says, I'm going to save your life with the IRS. Three little letters that gets everybody's attention. I-R-S. Okay, you have my undivided. How are you going to be my hero? (laughs) He says, I'm going to take care of all of your employment taxes. I'll file your quarterly reports. I'll take care of all that stuff for you. And I said, okay, cool. And he said, I'm willing to charge you this much. A little bit of money." all right, that's cool. We went through and it took five quarters. So a year and three months. And this guy would come by and he'd say, hey, I saw that you were busy last week. So I just went ahead and I paid the IRS for your 941s. And I filed it for you. So here's your copy. Just write me a check. And and so I write him a check for the entire quarter's worth of stuff. And after five quarters, it's a year and three months, this fella, I'll leave the names out. He's standing at my counter one day. I'm talking to a customer, checking, delivering the vehicle. And uh, I said, can I help you? He walks I said, no, go ahead. I'll wait. I said, okay. He waits. The lady leaves. And I said, what can I do for you? Now I'm around the the counter on his side of the counter because I walked the lady out to her car and came back in, right? I said, what can I do for you? He said, uh, I'm so-and-so of the U.S. Treasury Department Internal Revenue Division Collections. I said, yeah, what can I do for you? He goes, do you know what a 941 is? And in my typical smart aleck self, I said, it's after 940 and before 942. I, I don't know what... <laughs> This is like circa Wrong 19- at there. Yeah, right. <laughs> you think <laughs> this is circa 1985? This guy grabbed me by my lapels, threw me up against the wall, shoved his badge in my face. I could see his pistol inside his coat, and he was threatening me with everything from taking my home, my business, my cars, etc., etc., etc. I said, "But look, I've got the receipts. I paid the guy. Here's the checks. You didn't pay us. You paid him. He never paid us." We never got your money. By the time it got all done, those those five quarters cost me $73,000. Penalties, interest, et cetera, et cetera. So the caution that we run into, and Kevin, you addressed it partially, right? When you ask for help, how do you know that it's, it's legitimate that help? help. Yeah? Yeah. Today, it's a heck of a lot easier. Back in 1985, we show, we, I mean, we're 10 years before the internet. What the hell did I, how would yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. And the guy was was local. He was literally across the street from me. Well, let me tell you, after the IRS agent came and knocked on my door, I kicked his in and he had gone. Office was vacated. So I had no recourse other than to sit with those people from the three letters that everybody loves and deal with it. It was a bad time in my life on top of everything else, trying to figure out Mm. how to run a business, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Wow. Make sure that when you're asking for help, people have at least some place. You know, like, where am I going today? <laughs> I own everything. I own the whole corner. So no. I'm here to help people. All right.
1: Nice. I yeah. was a day late on a postmark on a sales tax, right amount and everything. But it, the postmark was one day late and it cost me $3,800 and fines yeah. and penalties. Yeah. And yeah. that was 25 plus years ago. Yeah. The government does not play. Mm-mm. They like your money a lot.
2: More than we do.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're willing to fight you over it.
0: We were going to talk about the who thing that Carl brought up, you know.
1: We, come on, Harbin's a who. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jerry, that's a good who story. but <laughs> That's a real good who story. I'm not even going to tell this story about someone walking in and telling an individual how... He was going to help them sell his business. And oh, by the way, if you have an internal candidate that you want to sell it to, you really need to be concerned with the IRS and how they may treat the gift tax if you sell it for too little. I don't know, guys, you've been around a little bit and that was a huge uh, come on. Anyway, so even today, there's still that stuff going on that you have to be so careful about.
3: There's scams all around us. You know, I just, I got a letter in the mail. It's got to be a scam about this PPP forgiveness stuff. And it's just like, they're trying to forgive something that's already been forgiven. They're a little late, but you know, there's still scams around us all the time. If your accounting department is not paying
1: attention, they just pay the bills and go on. You mean I I really didn't buy an extra warranty for my car? Is that what you're saying?
2: Right, (laughs) right. Well, and and they're still still waiting for the Nigerian prince to show up. Right, right, right.
0: (laughs) But wait a minute. I heard from him last week. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Listen, Jerry, when he gets back to me, I'll send him your way.
2: Thanks, <laughs> I appreciate
0: it. Let's talk about the, you know, being uncomfortable with change and how tough it is for you to realize you've got to do so many things in a different way that your mentor, your coach is telling you and you're so uncomfortable with it that you believe it's wrong and I may want to live in this area of despair for the rest of my life because I'm not that person someone wants me to be.
3: I tell you, when, when we finally reached out for help and you know, we joined a 20 group and I went through the whole process of, The financials and stuff like that, you know, I kind of thought I knew what I was doing and thought I had my crap together (laughs) and really was just trying to figure out how to be better. I just did not have any idea. I mean, I just honestly, I was flabbergasted, especially when they told me they come in and did our review. And it's like, oh, your service advisor's got to go. What do you mean? I like that service (laughs) advisor. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. that guy's got to go. It's like, man, you talk about being uncomfortable and just uh, everything had to change. And honestly, I, I didn't know that it was broken. I thought it was great. I thought we had a great system. I thought we had a great plan and I thought we were doing well and and it was all broken. And the biggest broken piece of it was me. That was the killer. And Oof. I hate to say, I'm a pretty stubborn Missourian, and it took me about five or six years to figure out <laughs> I had to
1: change. Oof. So it was a slow, slow growth.
0: How about you, Kev? Same thing. I mean, how long did it take you to make the 180?
1: I'm still struggling. Our generation doesn't ask for help. The suck it up, buttercup generation. We don't want right. to cry about it. Get up, dust yourself off, keep going, Work through asking the pain. for help. It's a sign of weakness. You just don't mm-hmm. do that. To finally break down, we, had, we were in a pretty crappy position when we finally broke down and got a coach. And then he's going through a list of a bunch of different things. I'm like, crap, I suck at that. I suck at that. We do that. That's wrong. That's wrong. I suck at that. That's right. And, and I had to feel better about myself. I had convinced myself that doing certain things was a moral conflict. Like, I can't charge that. That's unethical. And I had convinced myself that it was unethical because somehow I saw profit as dirty or wrong and taking advantage of people rather than that's the purpose of business and to take care of your team and your family. I adjusted how I felt about things to justify it to myself that I wasn't wrong for doing it. There was no longer an absolute that I measured myself by. I measured myself off my feelings rather than facts and numbers and figures. Yeah, change the problems here. Me adjusting to accepting that a uh, parts matrix, a uh, labor matrix. I was so unregimented that, you know, like I said, I'd look at this part slips from the parts store. I'm like, I can't charge lists. Sometimes I'd put 10 bucks on it, sometimes it'd be 25. Sometimes I'd right. use percentage of a margin. I was so all over the place how can you measure and see where you're failing or where you need to improve when I was just winging everything? So there's no patterns to anything. So when you step back and you look, you go, man, you're loose all over the place. It's not like, hey, we're doing well here, but if we tweak this a little bit, we could do a lot better with that. There's no looking at any model to see where I failed with there because it was just like, it's all over. I wasn't real standardized on my labor. Like, okay, well, the book says five, but I'm pretty sure I can do it in two. And then I get my ass kicked and it takes seven. So it wasn't you know. everywhere that you could do something stupid.
0: You were playing with fire. I mean, you literally had gasoline in a matchbook.
1: Damn straight I did. But I was invincible. (laughs) You weren't going to beat me. I could fix anything. Just ask me. I'll tell you. Except (laughs) for myself. That was the only thing they couldn't fix. And thank God Cecil's strong-willed and hard-headed a little bit. Cares enough to stick with it. Because from the outside, Mm -hmm. I am not a pleasant person to deal with. I am stubborn. And I can justify the hell out of anything. And I was the biggest problem. Like you said, Carl, accepting yeah. that I have to change, the problem's me, right? No. <laughs> yes, that's Absolutely.
3: My wife's in the background going, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure Lisa's cheering right now going, you tell him,
0: <laughs> Jerry, was that your problem or we're, were, were just overwhelmed with stuff?
1: Yes. Well,
2: at the time I had I had three companies I was running. And subsequent to that, what I've learned is Never start a second company until your first company is running without you. I didn't understand that. And I tell this to guys that say, I'm going to open a second shop. Is your first shop at full capacity with you being gone for a month? If it's not, all you're going to do is have two mediocre shops if you open a second one now. Just my experience, right? And I will tell you that I regularly take months off right now, a full month and I'm gone. No email, no phones, no nothing, and the businesses have to run. So for me, it was a complete different. I was overwhelmed. I had the basics, understandings of business. I didn't have it dialed in to the point where I needed it to be dialed in. And that's where my mentors, coaches came in. And I'm running five companies, and one of them, I was talking to them on a Tuesday, and he said, "Uh, what are you wearing right now? And I looked down, and I said, I'm wearing my shop uniform. Why? And he said, uh, what, how many companies do you own? I said, five. And he said, why do you only represent one? Mm, good question. It was a damn good question, right? And then the next day, I was talking to my other coach, and it was a God thing, man. He said, what are you wearing? <laughs> I'm wearing my uniform. <laughs> <laughs> <gonna> say, <laughs> he said, why are you wearing a uniform? I said, you know, support the team. Right? All that stuff. And he goes, how many companies do you own? Oof. He said, what about the other four? And I scratched my head. And he goes, don't you own, he goes, you own commercial real estate, right? I said, yeah. He goes, so when someone comes to talk to you about leasing a large space and you're wearing an automotive mechanic uniform, how's the leasing working for you? And I'll tell you, I, I am not exaggerating. I had a lot of space that was vacant. And the next day, I had an appointment to show some a large space, 10,000 square feet space. I showed up. I was wearing nice khaki slacks. I had a white button-down shirt. I had a vest on. I had nice leather shoes on. And I pulled up in my Cadillac Platinum Escalade, and that guy signed a lease right then and there, 10,000 square feet. Nice. And after we got to know each other, he literally told me, he said, I want you to know something. If you had shown up in your uniform... I would not even have spoken with you. Now, that's a, a thing on society. Yes. My freaking what I wear doesn't make a damn difference of who I am or what I know or what I do or what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. But appearances, you have one shot to make a good first impar- a f- good first impression. And when I pulled up in a freaking Escalade and I jumped out like I am the man that I am, a successful individual, right? The guy went like, okay. We're on a level ground here. Let's do business.
0: Well, image perception, all of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, think about it. Two different coaches don't know each other still to this day. Ask me the same question two days apart. The next day I signed a $400,000
1: lease. I used to justify it. I don't have time to clean the shop. I'm way too busy. People right. come here because I'm good. The differences in the way that the customers perceive the whole business and everything totally changed. Clean the place out, epoxied the floors, brighten up the walls, improve the lighting. The way that customers interact with us, our clientele is completely different than it used to be. And the way that people interact is totally different. And I never wanted to believe that, but God, it's the truth. It is. Great piece of advice
3: that uh, one of my former bosses gave me. He says, Mm -hmm. you always want to look professional first. If you look professional first, you've won them over. And Mm -hmm. you can do just about anything as long as you back it up. You'll always be a professional, but if they come in and they see the crap, the step over the transmission fluid leaking through the parking lot, they see you're in tattered clothes and you got a cigar hanging out of your mouth, and doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah. Absolutely. does not matter how good you are. You'll never be a professional in their eyes. True.
0: Wow. This was going to be a very somber discussion of, woe is me, I had a ball and a chain on me. But you guys made it fun. You told some really great stories. I have a question for you all, and let's just see how we can tie this all up. And my thought is about recovery time. You know, there's a point in time where you realize, okay, uh, you've told all the great stories. I finally found myself, my direction, my coach, my mentor, and I accepted it. And if someone's listening to this and this is, well, did it take Jerry 10 years? I don't think I have the guts to do that. You know, Kevin, you talk about recovery time from the revelation that you have to change.
1: Okay. I'll use an example. Matt Wag is a gentleman you've had on the show before. Matt and I have become friends strictly through your show where he responded back from some stuff. Matt, I think is brilliant as a young businessman has immediately taken into getting a coach and learning. He scrolls through your podcast. He's a studier of the business and he's learned to look at it as a business. He's learned to look at people who have made mistakes and see where their changes were. I've talked back and forth with him a lot about this is where I struggled. This is where I was. For me, I'm eight years with a coach and there's still every now and then I need to slap upside the head to bring me back in line. (laughs) Whereas he's a young guy and he hasn't developed the years of really bad habits and the years of all the stupidity that goes along with that. And He's brilliant in what he does and the direction that he's bringing his team and the way he's growing. Honestly, some of it has to do with time. I mean, the, the point in time in which I was in the midst of my struggle, which I laugh and joke about it right now. But I yeah. think if you're younger and you've kind of hit that point earlier... With all the information, your recovery time is much sooner. I guess if I could put it on par with drinking somebody that's young and just, you know, started drinking and gets a little out of control can recover it a lot faster than somebody who's been doing it for 50 years. And then, you know, you struggle every single day and it's in the back of your mind constantly. So for me, it's been a long, hard struggle coming and not falling back into the old habits. I am not in the office right now. Bills. I'll, I'll critique them technically, but I stay away from the number side of the bill because. That's still an area where I, I mean, I see the value of our guys and our team will provide. I just stay out of the office as far as the bills go. I'll talk to customers all day long. I'll talk to the clients.
0: You've made some incredible strides.
1: I can't believe that we're open in a second location. Dude, I, I almost crashed and burned and lost my house. My marriage broke up. My kids weren't in the place that I wanted them to be. I mean, I almost lost everything and then some. And we're open in a second location that's not only going to be a great repair shop but you know thanks to you going hey get on your advisory board in your local technical high school and we did and i went in and i talked to kids and i mentored them and i saw the hope in their eyes and i became an evening automotive instructor in their adult program at night and that's so rewarding
0: i'm so proud so happy do me a favor on camera would you pinch yourself (laughs) (laughs)
1: I stand in front of the building that we just got the building permit for, and I look at it and I go, regular people don't own stuff like this. Baseless corporations have this pillage and plunder people.
0: You have to be humble before you can be proud, okay? But you should be very proud right now.
1: Yeah, and I'm proud of my team. Working with your wife is a struggle, but Lisa works her ass off in the business, and she's amazing to work with. We don't always have the greatest of days together. I think that's part of being married and having different personalities. But having great support, someone that can talk to you honestly and go, hey, I think you're starting to go off the track again. There's a way to say it. We'll bring somebody around. There's a way to say it that'll put up all the defenses and bring on a wall and a war.
0: (laughs) A wall and a war. Hmm.
1: Hiding behind your defenses and you're launching fireballs because your ego gets in the middle of it. But she has a way of approaching me most times that goes, hey, you know, I think we're starting to do that we need to come back in this way. My shop foreman is like, dude, are you under a lot of stress lately? Because you're a little bit of a jerk right now. Uh, I'm like, whoa, okay, I'll bring that back in. And I greatly appreciate his honesty. He's taken ownership in this and he's mentoring the guys. Um, I've got some young guys that he's making sure that they're on track with their learning. It's like, you know, we need to make sure that they've got Their hours, of training time in, and they're up on this. They're coming on their certifications. Mm -hmm. And I've got a great team that I'm so proud of.
0: You're right. We fall off the track and we're not paying attention. So thank you for that. I I so appreciate that. Carl, recovery, any great advice to give our listener?
3: I love what Kevin said. You know, the longer you've done things poorly and you have all these bad habits, the longer it takes to break them. And the longer you hang on to them because you know they work.
1: They're safe. Uh I've, and they're I've,
3: comfortable. Yeah, the guys that come into this industry, the I call them the young guns, you know the, they they come in and it's just like, my God, they're doing like three times what we're doing in a year and it's like, how do you do that? And it's like, well, they don't learn something different. They just do what they've been told and, and, and they just they just excel at it. But I really think the recovery time is as quick as you're gonna allow it to be when you get out of your own way and you got to go back to trusting the people around you. Trust your mentors, trust your circle of influence. And man, for me, that was hard. I have a lot of trust issues. And uh, when you finally decide that, hey, you know, they know more than I do. Let me try that. I'll tell you what, Let me just try that for a day. Let me try it for a week. And then you figure out, well, that works. I think everybody has to give themselves some space to grow. The thing is, is you got to decide. You just got to decide. There's got to be a point in time that you say, I don't know, or I'm stuck, or... I can't make my payment, or I can't buy groceries, and you gotta decide to do something. And then from then on, for us, it's been great. I mean, it's been a long haul because I was a jerk. <laughs> and, uh, and I know it, but uh, I think everybody's recovery is gonna be different based on really, what are their goals, what do they call success?
0: Hey Jerry, I'm gonna give you the last word on this recovery thing. Do goals figure in here at all?
2: Absolutely. Without question. And I'll just tell you, both guys have hit on something already. And as a business coach, I want to say that it's much easier for me to help someone as they start their business, as opposed to someone who's been in business for 30 years. And I have to kick out all those terrible bad habits that they've created. It's easier to start on the right path than to change the, sh- the direction. As far as my recovery, it started off when I decided, as Carl said, you must decide. And I decided I'm either going to go down in flames or I'm going to make a shit ton of money. And I'm just telling you, I increased my labor rate by 35% in one swift key punch, 35%. My service advisors, their eyes bugged out. We increased our parts matrix and they said, you're going to go out of business. I said, and I'm going to go out with a shit ton of money too. Because I'm tired of working for free. I've got enough friends. Hey, can you do me a favor, buddy? I'm done with that. I'm here to, Mm -hmm. I I have a, look, at the end of the day, I I, I got this much time left. This much, right? See all these gray hairs? I've earned them. As that timeline gets shorter, you get more and more serious about what it is that you want with the rest of your life. And I'll tell you, the reason most people don't get what they want is because they don't know what they want. They never take the time to figure out what it is that they want. I have a, with business builders, that's the first thing that we have every single coaching client do. It's a 45 minute exercise. If you like, I'll give it to you, Carm. You can give it to your people on your show, but I will tell you that the people that we give it to never do the exercise historically never do it. If they don't pay, they don't pay attention. Listen to that again. If they don't pay, they don't pay attention. The recovery starts when you decide to make a difference in your own life and to figure out what the heck it is that you want with the rest of your life and when you want it by and why you want it. When you add the why to it, when you understand the why, the how is irrelevant. The how will figure itself out. You just have to know what and why. Because I want to make a million dollars a year. Okay, what are you going to do with it? How will that change your life? Will that change your life? What kind of philanthropic gifts will you create? Oh, I'm just going to put it in the bank. I'm going to buy a Lamborghini. What the hell are you going to do with it? I mean, I you can't be real? Drive it. I mean come on. What are you going to do with a Lamborghini or a Ferrari? Now, I mean, we don't live in that world. So let's figure out what it is that you really want, what it is that will really get you to where you want to be, And then get there. It's simple. Recovery, in my case, I started making money the first month I changed my mind. Like, boom, I said, I'm done being broke. I'm effing done being broke. I want to be able to provide for my wife. I want to provide for my kids. I want to provide for me. And I want to travel. And Karma, as you know, except for the last two years, I've spent 11 years traveling the world. We travel an average of 130 days a year while running seven companies. And by the way, we've had three successful exits, so now I'm down to four, but I just bought a cattle ranch, so. <laughs> hmm. I wanted to be a cowboy.
0: <laughs> I don't know if, if you know this, Jerry, but you're contributing to climate change.
2: <laughs> no, 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 you don't understand. We're raising grasshoppers now. I've got really smart grasshoppers, and I'm training them to say moo. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully really you're not big, growing that low really they talk really big grasshoppers, man I mean, I'm tell- these suckers are huge They're like 1,500 pounds And they go, moo Some of them horns, I don't get it
0: <laughs> Climbing out of despair And we probably laughed so much Because I guess it really takes That human side of someone Wanting to come out and tell you about you know Your story And be able to look back and laugh Jerry, you made such a great point about the timeline, and when we're a little younger, we don't feel it, and tomorrow is never going to get here, and I've got time to screw another couple of years. I keep digging the hole that I'm in, and then, then when you get to have a little gray, you say, "Look at what I wasted." Listen, I do this for a living to advance the aftermarket, and every time I get done with an episode, I just say one thing: "Thank you for being here," and then I turn off the studio and I walk out and I say. I hope this episode will change just one life in the industry.
2: You start your retirement now. Can I right. give you a visual? I don't know if you guys remember. I go back a long time. It was the early 90s Chevrolet Suburban, the round-bodied Suburban. When it first came out, I was drooling. I drove an 87 Suburban at the time, and I was drooling at that one of those. I saw it go down the street, and my customer, I'm standing at the window of my shop, and the customer standing there. He goes, what are you looking at? I go, man, look at that Suburban. Isn't it beautiful? He said, well, why don't you go buy the darn thing? I said, oh, I can't afford that. All this stuff, right? The guy was brilliant. He took a tape measure and he pulled it out. And at the time, the life expectancy of a man in the USA was 70 years of age. And he pulled it out to 70 inches. And he said, how old are you? And I remember, I said, I'm 42. He put his fingers on 42 and looked at what was left between the 70 and said, "If not now, when? Wow. So now I'm 65 and 70. If not now, when. right? Put your own number on the tape. Right. Mission, and if you're not making money now, when are you going to start?
1: Mm-hmm. And what the heck are you waiting for? Yeah, We're so busy being busy that we don't think about how much is going by.
0: We're exactly. Just busy.
1: Not accomplishing anything. We're just busy. And the next week I bought a new Suburban.
0: What an incredible mental picture. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to take the tape measure. I'm going to lay it out on the floor and I'm going to walk up
2: to my age. The life expectancy of a man today in the United States is 78. Yeah. So 78. We've got a couple more inches. How many inches do you have left? (laughs) Listen, this is a big deal. Oh, it is. Except for Carl, who doesn't look like he's more than 12 for crazy. (laughs) I'm so joking, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. We're all getting older. The average age of a tech in the United States is how old? What's that number? 55? I don't know. I think it's 58. Yeah. Is it really 58? Wow. Yeah. So look at us and we go, okay, 58 and 65, they're going to retire. That's seven years. What are we going to do in seven years?
3: Yeah, I need to take a consensus of all my employees and see where we're at.
2: <laughs> I mean, how many of the guys come up to you at fifty and go, "My body hurts. I can't do this anymore." Yeah, guys, we gotta get serious about this industry. We have to. We really have to get serious about making the money that you need to make. See, people, what is the purpose of the business? Well, the business is to uh, service the customers. No, the purpose of the business is support the lifestyle. That the owner wants to have. If not now, when? You're right, Jerry. But I
0: also, I don't want to leave the business family on the side. And again, a whole nother episode on how we take care of our people.
2: Oh, it's all about your people. No, no, no. It's all about (laughs) your people. If I don't have good people, I don't have anything. You can't take care of you if they don't take care of the business with you. Take care of your people they take care of the business
0: we could go on for hours this has been too much fun thank you for all of the great analogies guys i recommend that everyone takes a tape measure out and literally with all of your own people really do this and walk if you will the ruler of life and and, and try to make the decisions that are going to really have a profound effect on you and your family and your and your people Kevin Eckler, Foreign Car Specialist, Poughkeepsie. Thank you, my friend, Jerry Kaziah, The Auto Shop, Plano, Texas, and Carl Hutchinson, Complete Automotive, Springville, Missouri, in the Ozarks. Hey, guys, thank you so much for being here.
2: Love right, being thank you. here. Thank you so thank much, you, Carm.
0: Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier
2: Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. Until next time.